Welcome to the Fort Lee Podcast. I am your host, Jefferson Wolf. This episode, we have only one guest for you, Major General Mark T. Simmerly, Commanding General of Combined Arms Support Command and Fort Lee. He will be talking with us about several topics, including what's going on on Fort Lee now and what's coming up for the future. He'll be here for the whole half hour, so we hope you enjoy this extended interview. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Spotify so you don't miss an episode. Also, please rate us five stars, hopefully, and leave a review. Please tell us what you enjoy about the podcast and what we can do to make it better. If you have any suggestions for guests, let us know that too. As always, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Army Fort Lee and follow us there for more. Welcome back to the Fort Lee Podcast. I'm joined by Major General Mark Simmerly, the Commanding General for Combined Arms Support Command and Fort Lee. Thank you for joining us today, sir. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate your time here on the fifth edition of the Fort Lee Podcast. Um, we haven't had a chance to talk to you yet, sir. So we have so far seen the first 90 plus days of your command at CASCOM. A lot has happened. So what do you see so far? What, what do you, what's your outlook? Well, I, I first have to say this is just a great place to serve, and I'm privileged to be here. My family and I really enjoyed here, and uh, Cindy and I definitely feel like we've come back home, coming to Fort Lee. That's certainly been reinforced over the last three months. And I think, you know, part of what makes it special to be here is the relevance of what we do. Uh, certainly within CASCOM, the relevance to current readiness of the Army, and then certainly the future warfighting readiness. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, we play an essential role and, uh, you know, that for that reason it, alone, uh, it makes it a special place to serve. So do you, could you lay out a little bit about your vision and your goals uh, for your command tenure? Well, yeah, I think, um, you know, first of all, I want to describe a, a little bit of what we did to look at our, our um, goals uh, and our vision for the organization going forward. And uh, over the course of the first 90 days, did a very deliberate assessment of the command uh, and got bottoms-up feedback from everybody. Uh, on the team, the key leaders, and, and looked at our, our strengths, our weaknesses, our opportunities and threats to the organization. And, and really, you know, take an inventory of our strengths. There's a significant number of strengths that we have in this organization and in this community. And we've got tremendous opportunities to address critical challenges uh, for the Army, uh, for the community, for Fort Lee and CASCOM as we go forward. And, and really, I see three roles uh, as the commander here at CASCOM. And the first one is taking care of people, the second one is driving change, and the third one is developing leaders. So all, all the objectives and, and the way I see the organization uh, are aligned against those three roles. And, you know, at the end of the day, as, as we sat down and looked at the organization, what we want it to be, uh, that's how we created our vision. And so, you know, I see CASCOM as being warfighter-focused, powered by inclusion and cohesion, delivering sustainment professionals and solutions to achieve victory. So that's our, our newly uh, crafted vision statement for the command. And, you know, really notably what we added to it, uh, because it, it is uh, built upon the previous vision, and it's not a significant departure, but for one part, where we really talked about putting people first. And we know that's a priority of the chief of staff of the Army. That's the number one priority for the Army. So I wanted to make sure that was very evident in our vision statement. Mm -hmm. And that's what really drove adding powered by inclusion and cohesion where we really take advantage of all elements of the team, uh, all of the teammates, uh, and build a cohesive team in order to uh, be 
the best performing organization we can be against our assigned tasks. Going forward to implement that vision, what do you think are some of the challenges that the CASCOM and Fort Lee are going to see in the next foreseeable future? Well, I do think there's some some challenges. You know, we know across the Army there's diminishing resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, we certainly know from a warfighting perspective uh, we're seeing the, the rise of peer and near-peer competitors that we have to be able to uh, address those those specific challenges from those opponents. And so that, that kind of frames a lot of the work that we need to do. And, you know, you know the clock is ticking in terms of the, the development of their capabilities. And so we've got to also be cognizant of time and take uh, uh, all of the opportunities to uh, advance our capabilities. And so, you know, I really see within, you know, this year uh, four notable goals that I want to call out today. And so the first one is, is putting people first. So that's operationalizing the Army's number one priority uh, through leader development, quality of life, accountability, mm-hmm. really with the out- outcome of ensuring dignity and respect uh, for every member of the team, uh, building diversity, building on our diversity, equity, and inclusion to improve the, the cohesion and produce a positive climate on the team. And so you're going to see a lot of efforts aligned against that purpose. Uh, and, and many things that we've been doing before uh, that we're taking a, a new approach to, uh, to ensure that we truly are putting people first. The foundation of the Army, the foundation of, of who we are uh, is our people. Uh, and, you know, that includes not only our soldiers, certainly includes our great uh, Department of the Army civilians, uh, contractor teammates, and, and definitely our families, you know, foundational to what we do. So you know, that's kind of the scope of, the, of putting people first as an objective. The second one is Army modernization. Uh, so I talked before about the importance of uh, ensuring that we can su- sustain the future fight. That's what CASCOM is responsible for uh, in terms of what the Army is doing in terms of modernization. So, you know, we're responsible for everything from our doctrine, how we say we're, we're supposed to fight, how we're uh, supposed to organize on the battlefield, our organization, you know, what, what do our teams, what do our units look like, the material solutions, the hardware that we put on the battlefield as well as the software, uh, and also training. So, you know, what we do here is, is very important where we train uh, the Army's greatest uh, sustainment professionals, the world's greatest sustainment professionals right here at Fort Lee. And so it's all to the purpose of ensuring that the Army can sustain the multi-domain fight in a large-scale multi-domain environment. Uh, so that's the, the second point, which is modernization. The third one I think is really important, and that's developing a long-term vision for CASCOM and Fort Lee. Describe what we want the community to be in 10 years uh, and set it on a path for those improvements. So you know, take an aspirational approach uh, that's informed by uh, resources uh, and describe what we want this uh, organization, what we want this installation to be so it can meet the future responsibilities that the Army demands of it. And then I'll just say uh, another very important one, the fourth one, is developing our post-pandemic plans. Mm -hmm. So defining the new normal for installation, our communities and our workplaces, and and really, we know we're not going to go back to where we were pre-COVID. We've we've advanced in so many ways. We've developed many tools and and different techniques to collaborate better. Uh, Certainly, we're going to always have a, a greater component of uh, people who don't have to be physically co-located in order to be productive. We've proven that. Uh, so, you know, what is the future of work at CASCOM? Uh, and what does that look like for each individual worker? I, th- I think we've got some work to do on determining that and communicating that broadly. 
So I'll, I'll just say those are, are four of the major goals we've set out for the year. Okay, thanks, sir. Kind of going back to something you mentioned earlier, this is not your first time at Fort Lee. Tell us a little bit about your personal experience. You went to college at the University of Richmond, and you had a position here before. Uh, tell us a little bit about your experience in the community. Well, you're right. Both uh, my wife, Cindy, and I went to University of Richmond. That's where we met. Uh, and she worked in the city for some time while I went to grad school in Charlottesville. So we've got a fair amount of time in central Virginia. Uh, and I have a previous assignment here as well when I was a colonel. So you know, returning to Fort Lee was, was very much a homecoming for us. And we have a very strong sense of being at home here at Fort Lee and in central Virginia. How does it look different? coming back as the commander of CASCOM than it did when you were in your previous jobs? Well, I don't know if it's because the community has changed from that time or it's just that my field of view is different. It's probably the latter. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I, I had a very functional responsibility. It was about modernizing the future force and developing capabilities. So I didn't have as much broad interaction with the community uh, certainly not too much interaction with the installation uh, component of Fort Lee, uh, per se. Uh, and so, you know, it's it's not really a surprise to me, but certainly a validation. And that's the, the strength of uh, the sense of community here and the, the sense of unity we have within Fort Lee and, and the overall community, and, and certainly the support of our local leaders. And so those are some, some notable things that uh, were apparent to me very early on upon my arrival. As you've gone through your career, sir, is there any particular person, historical figure, uh, philosophy that has influenced your leadership style that you're bringing maybe to fruition here as the the commanding general? Uh, Yeah, so, you know, I've I've been influenced by many leaders and I've been very blessed to have some great examples of people that I've worked for directly or worked around uh, and have had a chance to uh, study and admire uh, their leadership and I will have to say, just in terms of inspiration, I'll start off with my father, who served for 33 years in the Army, uh, three flying tours in Vietnam as an Army aviator. Oh, wow. And so just somebody that I always admired for his dedication, uh, his willingness to sacrifice and service to the nation. So that's foundational uh, for me. And I've always aspired to uh, try to achieve the things in my career that he was able to achieve in his and then um, I'll, I'll call out one particular leader that's of note, especially since he recently deceased, and that's General Colin Powell. Uh, okay. And, you know, when I first uh, started active duty, he was the, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff uh, really at the time of Desert Storm. And so a notable leader for our nation at that point in time, the right leader for our nation uh, as we pulled together to, to wage that, that war successfully. And uh, I think many of us have admired his approach to leadership and the way he's communicated it. And so a lot of you may be familiar with the 13 rules of leadership uh, that uh, he shared very broadly. And, and, it, and it's influenced uh, at least a few generations of military leaders, certainly me. And so I think of his you know, rule number one, it ain't as bad as you think. It will look better in the morning. Right. So that yeah. that uh, persistent optimism uh, also, remain calm and be kind, right? So you can be effective as a leader. You can communicate directly uh, while you you maintain uh, your demeanor uh, and maintain a positive approach. And then the third one I'll call out of this 13th, have a vision and be demanding. So, you know, create a vision for you where you want the organization to go or where you want the unit to go. And then hold yourself and hold every member of the team accountable to achieving the things that are necessary to achieve that vision. 
Uh, so I, I would definitely uh, refer to Colin Powell as an inspirational leader that influenced me and, of course, many others. I think anybody who was in the military at the time of Desert Storm looks to him as a, as a leader and a great example. So uh, that's, that's a great one. Thanks. Thank you, sir. Um, with your experience at Fort Lee, part of the community, you've been here, you've been in command now 90 days. Um, you know how important the surrounding community is. After COVID shut down many of the outreach activities, tell me how you want to get the post back into interacting with the community more. Well, you know, I think um, it's evolutionary, right? The conditions of, of COVID uh, continue to change. And of course, we change in our ability to protect ourselves uh, against it. And we're always going to uh, have an approach where we, we've got a duty and obligation to protect our community, protect our mission uh, against the risk of the virus. Um and then also, I think uh, what we've seen over time is that now we have opportunities. So we don't really know how the pandemic is going to end. Uh, we've seen it go up and down. And so we're, you know, we've got the, the right means to measure the risk in the community and, and locally so that we can adjust. But some things have changed fundamentally. Uh, certainly our understanding of science, the way the virus behaves, uh, and then certainly our ability to protect ourselves, not only through uh, the dis- discipline of following social distancing and mask wearing and other measures like that, uh, but also the vaccination is the game changer, right? Uh, that fundamentally protects us in a much more substantial way and allows us to go about our business uh, in, a, in a different manner. Uh, so, you know, achieving our, our objectives in terms of vaccination is very important to any approach in the future uh, of the way we're, we're going to uh, set conditions post-pandemic or even you know, at, at any given stage of the, of the pandemic as we go forward. Uh, but I do think we're, we're now at an, we, we've achieved a, a place where we can measure risk appropriately uh, and then apply measures that allow us to do many things as we did before. And maybe not exactly before. We're going to take a modified approach for some time. Uh, but certainly, you know, we see now there's an opportunity to reaffirm uh, many of our strong community relationships, reinvigorate the community, and resume any of the events that we previously had to postpone or cancel or modify significantly. So, you know, I can think of uh, recently the Oktoberfest that we held last year. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we had to cancel it. This year, we were able to conduct a very successful event uh, that was uh, run by the garrison. Uh, and I believe it was in a COVID-safe manner with the precautions we put in place uh, for social distancing, mask wear, and, you know, the reminders to the, the audience that was there, mm-hmm. uh, and also an outdoor component. Uh, this year, again, we're going to be doing uh, trick-or-treating. So, you know, we've had to modify that a little bit. So uh, we will be doing it uh, in individual homes and also tr- uh, trunk-or-treat. But uh, uh, we are going to restrict some of the folks coming off post onto post as an example of, of modifying, but we still allow us to do it. And then the holiday helper event uh, that we're going to do l- this year. Last year, we did have to uh, modify it pretty significantly. Uh, and this year, it won't be quite what it was before in terms of uh, the way we, we have our um, opening night. Uh, but I, I think there still will have the reach uh, in the community participation. We really want to get volunteers involved again uh, this year. So we're, we're looking forward to doing that. Uh, and the other, the other opportunity I'll state is uh, I think we've got the opportunity, opportunity to, to better participate in community events and ceremonies off post. So as organizations go back or communities go back to, uh, say, you know, recognizing our veterans at Veterans Day's events and things like that. You know, we want to be in the community. We want to participate in those events. We want to represent the Army. We want to represent Fort Lee uh, at those uh, 
ceremonies and events as, as they come back on in our schedule. Uh, also, we, we want to restart our Community Connect program. So this is where we link our units to community partners. So each right. specific unit is, is linked to one of our communities uh, and you know opens up lines of communication, collaboration, and participation uh, between individual schools or units in, in those uh, off-post locations. And so we really want to restart that uh, because it's part of the strength of our community, that collaboration and that outreach. And a, a, a core layer of that is our Good Neighbor Program, uh, which we really, you know, began uh, during the pandemic, essentially, and right. recognized our first uh, couple good neighbors uh, who have ha- had historic uh, relationships with Fort Lee, and we want to recognize those uh, individuals. So we want to continue that into our second year. We want to build upon that, uh, recognize more people in the community who've had a long history of supporting Fort Lee, and build a cadre of recognized good neighbors uh, over time. So you'll see us uh, uh, putting more energy that this year. One of the other things that's going on at Fort Lee that we're getting ready for is also a uh, potential name change. I guess it's not a potential. I guess it's going to happen one way or another. Could you talk a little bit about what's going on with the naming commission, where we are, uh, where they are, uh, what might happen next? Yeah, thank you. So, you know, we see our role here at Fort Lee, the leadership here at Fort Lee, is to facilitate the naming commission's process. And that's what we've been tasked to do. Uh, and we hosted them for a visit in uh, August. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and really, it was a two-part visit. The first part was uh, we gathered all the community shareholders, or stakeholders, uh, community leaders uh, in July uh, and, and explained uh, the process as we understood it from the Naming Commission, what was going to take place, how they were seeking actively uh, to gain community input on future names potential for Fort Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to understand the thinking here within the community uh, with the opportunity to rename Fort Lee. Uh, and then we hosted the actual visit with the Naming Commission uh, led by uh, Admiral Howard uh, in August and, and uh, gathered uh, a really significant representation of the surrounding community, uh, neighboring counties and cities, as well as up to Richmond and, and state officials. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even a congressman was present for that, that dialogue. And our, our role, like I said, was to facilitate that conversation to ensure that the naming commission members received uh, the good ideas that are emerging from the community about the future name of Fort Lee. And, um, you know, we, we learned that, um, you know, they've created some opportunities through their website, uh, which is the namingcommission.gov. Very simple. Uh, yeah, exactly. The namingcommission.gov. Uh, and that's their uh, means to collect uh, ideas. Uh, on a, another name and also f- to uh, allow people to understand what the process is. Uh, and, and it's going to be a, a, a significant process that's ahead because it's not only Fort Lee, there's other installations named after Confederate generals that, that b- will be renamed. Uh, and I think they'll all be uh, announced and, and determined uh, at one time. Okay. Uh, but it's probably going to be uh, not until sometime in, in 2023 uh, till that's actually implemented until we and we know what the national decision will be uh, on the next name for Fort Lee. So we've got a little longer to be Fort Lee and a little bit to wait before we find out what happens. On a more operational front, uh, we have Operation Allies Refuge and then Operation Allies Welcome. Uh, could you give us a brief update on what's going on there? So Allies uh, Operation Allies Welcome, which started off as Allies Refuge in July, uh, was really our opportunity here at Fort Lee to host uh, Afghan immigrants uh, who were uh, leaving uh, the nation uh, and 
uh, people who we had a, a relationship with in country. So mostly interpreters and other Afghan workers associated with the State Department, De- Department of Defense, et cetera, uh, in Afghanistan that we sponsored to come here. And so, you know, we, we began this mission. We received the first cohort to the country on the 28th of July. Uh, and ever since then, we've, we've continued to host uh, and take care of, of these uh, individuals and their families. Uh, and I'll just say this, it's been a noble mission, uh, and it's been a privilege to, to, to sponsor them here at Fort Lee. And it's really been gratifying to see the way the Fort Lee community has responded to this responsibility, as well as all of our civilian partners. And the local leaders have all been very supportive from day one. Uh, every single one of those leaders, when I, I called and told them about this mission, uh, number one, we're very grateful that we had the mission, that we'd been given this opportunity here at Fort Lee, a privilege, really. And number two, every single one asked how they could help. And so the, the uh, tremendous outpouring from the community has really been um, gratifying. Uh, but, you know, we, we um, were originally the only post sponsoring them. And then conditions changed in Afghanistan. There became substantially more folks uh, so over 50,000 folks that have come into our country, and we established other camps throughout the state and other states uh, across the country, and we've maintained our status as well. Uh, and, you know, what you'll see is if you were to go to uh, our location where we're, we're hosting them, uh, is these are predominantly families. So over 70% of the folks who've come here are, are family members, mm-hmm. and um, they're, they're large families and they're young families. So it's, it's very common to see families of seven, eight people uh, and with, you know, seven to eight, eight uh, children under the age of 10. So, oh, wow. so very young families. Uh, and to a person, every single one is very grateful to be here, mm-hmm. uh, grateful for the security that we offer as a nation, but also grateful for the qualities uh, that uh, they see in our nation, you know, the opportunities uh, that, are, that uh, are here for men and women uh, and that uh, are founded upon democratic principles, which they seek and they desire. Uh, and so we, we feel uh, very fortunate to be hosting it. It's going to go on for a little while. We still have uh, a significant number of people that we're housing here, uh, and we'll continue on with the mission until it's complete. Well, thanks for the update, sir. Along the line of updates, we also have COVID ongoing in the midst of all this. We talked about it briefly. Could you give us a little update about what's going on in the Fort Lee's COVID protocols? Well, we're still meeting uh, Health Protection Condition Bravo, uh, which we uh, uh, put into place in August uh, as we looked at the uh, increase in, in the Delta uh, virus transmission and uh, contagion in the, in the local community. And, and really, we've been successful. We've been able to maintain a relatively low infection rate on post and with our, our uh, uh, local community. Uh, and, and haven't seen a significant uh, challenge in terms of being able to take care of our mission. We haven't seen a you know, significant uptick in terms of people that have had to go into isolation or quarantine, and it really hasn't affected our mission. So those measures that we put in place are, are successful in combination uh, with the, the uh, increased rates of vaccination. So, you know, we're, we're soon going to be approaching over 90 percent. Uh, fully vaccinated in terms of our uniformed workforce, and we all, we know our civilian workforce also. Uh, will be continue to be vaccinated with the DOD mandate uh, going forward. So, you know, it's, it's really going to allow us as we approach the holidays, as we approach the winter season to be in a good posture. And, um, you know, we're going to maintain a lot of the measures that we have now that are in part of 
uh, general order number one that I signed in, in uh, early August. Uh, but we're every week uh, we sit down, we review the conditions uh, of the environment, we re- review the risk, uh, and we make determinations on um, not only individual events, but the overall stance that we have within the community. So it's even though we haven't updated the general order number one since August, uh, some, something that we're constantly reviewing will be responsive to conditions, especially uh, if they continue to improve at the rate that they are currently improving. One question that we get a lot on social media to and calls to the public affairs office is, will in-person graduation attendance for family members be allowed anytime soon? Do you have any update on that? We're going to maintain our current stance, which uh, restricts that mm-hmm. um, because of the community risk and you know the ability to determine uh, whether or not we would um, be increasing risk to our population, especially as they go out to units. So, you know, you think about it, our, our students graduate from here and they go to operational units and have to high, maintain high levels of readiness. So we want to ensure we're doing what we can uh, not to cause events that could then spread to other units and organizations. So that's one of the reasons why we take it a restrictive approach. But it's something we review weekly mm-hmm. as we look at all our measures. Uh, and, you know, we, we are eager to do this because it's the right thing to bring in family members to participate, to recognize the achievements of our soldiers and the civilians as they graduate. Uh, but right now, you know, we're going to have to continue to take this approach for some time. I'm sure there's lots of family members looking forward to the day when they can actually come back in. One other thing that we get a lot of questions about at the public affairs office is the Lee Gate. When is it going to reopen? You obviously have the people in Jackson Circle that want to come straight across. That used to be the main gate. The visitor center's there. Can you give us an update on what's going on at the Lee Gate? Yeah, so first of all, I, I joined those members of the community who wish the Lee <laughs> Gate were open, right? It was one of my first questions when I first arrived is, what's it going to take for us to open up that gate? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so we looked at it from a manpower perspective, and we saw that there would be a way. Uh, but if you've driven by Highway 36 on, on the uh, uh, front side of Fort Lee near the Lee Gate, you know there's some construction that's right, underway right. right there. It's pretty significant on the highway. And so that's really uh, our collaboration with the Virginia Department of Transportation for them to complete that work uh, before we can reopen it. So that's really the first thing that has to happen. Okay. Uh, but like everybody else, I'm eager. I certainly understand our, our Jackson Circle uh, right. residents, how that would, that's a significant change in their quality of life uh, to not have to go to one of the other gates that's open. Right. Uh, and then I'll just say this. I think it's important for the rest of our workforce that comes and goes and is accustomed to entering and certainly allows us, you know, to have better access to Petersburg and, and other uh, uh, sites in the community. You know, myself, I love going to the battlefield on the weekends. My wife and I like to take oh. our dog and hike there. And um, that would be, you know, the, probably the best way to get out to the battlefield to drive for me rather than go through another gate. Uh, so, you know, that, that's just a minor reason. But I know that especially folks who come in and out with their commute, it's, it's important. We'll keep an eye out on it and and stay in touch and get further updates when they're available. That pretty much wraps up everything that we wanted to talk to you about today, sir. Uh, Just going forward, there's a few things coming up on the calendar. Is there anything you'd like to highlight that's going on at CASCOM or maybe things that are happening on Fort Lee? Yeah, thank you. So just a couple things. You know, next week we were hosting a a very large Army senior uh, leadership seminar uh, in a sustainment forum. So we're bringing in senior Army sustainers across the uh, Army uh, for a couple days. And, you know, this is an example. Originally, we wanted it to be sustainment week with a ball that we we're going to hold up in Richmond. Uh, and we had to modify it due to the continued COVID threat. Uh, so we're, we're limiting that and, and we're limiting it to 50 
participants uh, in the room at one time uh, with everybody else virtually. So, you know, we're still able to accomplish that, but not quite to, you know, previous expectations. Right. Uh, but also, you know, we, we've got uh, the trick-or-treating coming up this Sunday, so right. we're looking forward to seeing uh, all our trick-or-treaters in the community uh, on, on Sunday night. Uh, we also have uh, the Holiday Helper Program. I mentioned that earlier. Right. Really a great effort that we have here and, and, and of one-of-a-kind program in the Army uh, with the key volunteers that uh, are part of that Holiday Helper organization and the volunteers who participate and the reach it has to our communities to ensure uh, that we're getting quality gifts uh, to uh, a wide range of, of our children uh, on the post and who are part of our community. Uh, and then I'll just say this, a big operation. I haven't had a chance to lead it before, but I will this year, and that's our, our holiday block leave. Right. Uh, and that's where essentially we, we shut down the, the training uh, base here, uh, and we allow our students to go home for Christmas. And, and last year we had to modify it a little bit. This year uh, it'll be a little bit more uh, normal in terms mm-hmm. of the outflow of personnel, but a very deliberate operation to make sure that we do that uh, in the right way. Uh, and maintain accountability for all of our soldiers and then get them out on leave so they can uh, enjoy the holidays with their families. Okay, thanks a lot, sir. Before we let you go, uh, do you have any final message or final thoughts to put out to the the audience of the Fort Lee podcast? No, I would just say uh, thanks to everybody for your service. Uh, It is a great privilege to serve with you and a great place to serve at here at Fort Lee. Thank you. That is a wrap for this edition of the Fort Lee Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and please join us next time.